The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. Well, hey there, cat. Hi. So, what you doing? Well, funny story, and Australian Claire, listen to this because you're going to laugh at me and say, wow, you silly American. But I opened the FizzWiz things the other day, and I was confused because I thought it was candy, but it was in these little tear packets. And when you open it, there's a little shovel and there's powder, right? So for some reason, I thought this was like, and I don't know if they have these in Australia, but I thought it was like a crystal light where you tear it and put it in the water. So I tore it and I was like, what do you do with this shovel? I don't know. So I tore it, I put it in some water and it didn't taste very good. And I was like, baby, this is not what you're supposed to do with this. So I Googled it and apparently you're supposed to take the shovel and eat the powder. And I was like... Oh, my bad. <laughs> so now I have to try again with the Fizz Whiz to see what that tastes like because I did it wrong. <laughs> yeah, so all the Australians oh. and people who know what that is are laughing at me right now, which is fine. And I'm also really upset today because Square Grouper forgot to give me my cookies and my deco order. So I'm pretty mad about that. Those bastards. Actually, fun vocabulary lesson for those of you who did not grow up on an island. And you do not know what a square grouper is. Uh, as you know, Kat and I grew up in the Florida Keys. And sometimes when the coppers are going after drug dealers and drug dealers know the cops are on to them, drug dealers will offload their cargo. And the cargo is generally very tightly sealed in what appear to be square packages. So... If you are off fishing and you happen to catch a square grouper, what you have actually caught is a package of marijuana. And that devil's lettuce is highly sought after by some people when they go fishing. And so there's a restaurant that is called Square Grouper. Uh, There are a lot of marijuana puns. Um, The upstairs bar tapas area, tapas, not topless, tapas area is called my new joint and it's it amuses me also i've taken to calling marijuana the devil's lettuce and i really enjoy it not marijuana just calling it the devil's lettuce yeah so i'm kind of mad about that but whatever my shrimp was good but also i'm sorry you missed out on your cookie yeah i i know i was really mad about that they got my parents uh cake though 
And I'm like, and the stupid thing is, is that I checked the receipt on the bag when I got home and I was like, it's right there. So they charged me for it too. And I didn't get it. Oh, that makes it so much worse. It could be worse though. I uh, was craving Olive Garden the other day and I was checking out and I don't eat at Olive Garden pretty much ever. I think this was actually my first time like ordering and paying for Olive Garden. I've been there on dates. I've just never purchased it myself. And I was checking out and I was like, God damn, that's expensive for two entrees and two appetizers. But I didn't think anything of it. And I just sort of paid it because I was really fucking hungry. I doubled my order of fettuccine Alfredo with chicken and broccoli. And I'm pulling it out and I'm like, babe, they gave me an extra order of Alfredo. And he went, babe, look at the receipt. You paid for two orders of So that's the story of how I accidentally got two Alfredos. And then I ate one and then I didn't want the other one. So Jimmy tried to eat it and then he hated it. And But anyway, this has been seven and a half minutes of a cold open. So what do you think, Kat? What happened was... Yeah. Okay, so it's the day after the brown chicken, brown cow, and... So it kind of seemed like in the beginning of this chapter that Sirius was dreaming because when Tilly came into his room, he kind of like fell off the bed and started like freaking out. Like, isn't it too early for you to be cleaning my room? But whatever. So then he got, what do you want to call it? The third degree by Doria. Not Doria. Doria. Dory. Dora. Oh my God. What is her name? Doria. Doria. Okay. that That felt wrong. No, oh, it just feels God. right. Yeah, okay. So her name is She's Doria. not an explorer. Okay. She's not an yeah. explorer and she is not a blue tang. No. Okay. So he pretty much got the third degree by Doria because she was like, did you sleep with my daughter? Blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, no, maybe so. So yeah, got the third degree by her. So that was a fun little thing. And then... Back at Hogwarts, I'm assuming, maybe. Hogwarts Express. Yeah, so on the train, Maya blurts out to Lily and Alice and all of them what happened. No, 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 just Lily. Oh, Oh, okay. So blurted out to her what happened. So then they were having the girl talk about it as we tend to do because we talk about that stuff. What? Us? Girl talk? No. Yeah, because we talk about like, so... How big is it? How long did they last? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. My, uh, my college roommate still has nightmares about me discussing various forms of sausage. Uh, yeah, but that's because they weren't into that. No, 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 they were. They were. It was just someone sh- that she knew who I had described as a petite breakfast sausage and oh, okay. she was like i i can't unsee that because every time i look at him i see a jimmy dean and i'm like mm-hmm. and that's fine but, <laughs> or was it a bratwurst i feel like i wasn't that mean i don't think i used i don't think i used morning sausage that would have been mean might have been a bratwurst i think you were that mean no i didn't gen- i generally try not to body shame because i don't want them to body shame me I mean, not that they can, because I'm fat. 
fabulous. And that is not actual belief in that. But if I keep saying that enough, I will love my body. So self-confidence comes from within kids, not a mirror. Ooh, speaking of totally missed this. I realize I haven't talked about this in a while. I did miss October, which was infant loss awareness month, but friendly reminder to everybody. This has nothing to do with anything. This is just a PSA. Um, don't fucking ask women when they're getting pregnant. Literally ever. It is never a topic that should come up because you don't know if you're talking to somebody who just had a miscarriage or talking to somebody who is infertile, somebody who just doesn't want to fucking have kids. Don't fucking ask people. That has been a PSA. I have a lot of strong feelings on this. Okay, anyway, the dead of time. Anyway, the dead of time. Chapter 54, by the end of it. September 2nd, 1976. So, day after the first day of school. Or, I guess, day after the Hogwarts Express. So, the first day of school. Morning, Lils, Maya said with a bright smile as she reached the Gryffindor table for breakfast. The start of term feast for her second sixth year had been the same as it had been every year that preceded it, save for a short speech on safety from Dumbledore, who mentioned that there had been a Death Eater attacks throughout the summer in Britain. After everything that had happened the previous year with Professor Higgs and Fenrir Greyback, the wards surrounding Hogwarts had been strengthened greatly. Work was also being done to communicate with the centaur herd in the Forbidden Forest in order to keep students, wizards, and creatures of all kinds safe in the face of the growing threat of Voldemort, or, as the Daily Prophet had taken to calling him, you know who. Yes, Maya knew who very well. Has McGonagall brought over the timetables yet? She began filling a plate with various items, pouring pumpkin juice into a tall glass and then automatically pushing the meal across the table to the seat opposite her without breaking eye contact with Lily. Not yet, Lily said with an excited smile. How did you do on your OWLs? I got outstandings on all mine. I was so worried. The arithmetic exam was a lot harder than I'd expected. I still want to know how you convinced Professor Vector to let you sit for the exam when you didn't even take the class. I convinced Professor McGonagall to put in a good word for me. Actually, I ended up taking an OWL for every available class. Wanted to see if I could do it, Maya said, trying to fold back the smug grin that had spread across her face. I thought you were messing about that when you said you were going to try that, Lily gaped at her in amusement. So, did you get the results? I did very well, Maya answered, refusing to give away any more information. She's being modest. It's not a good look for her. Remus chuckled as he sat down opposite Maya, grinning at the plate of food already waiting for him. He gave a nod of hello to Lily, completely missing the way her face flushed bright red at the sight of him. Before he began fixing a cup of tea for Maya. She got outstandings on everything, even muggle studies and divination. You always said that divination was rubbish, Lily scolded her friend. It is, and I've basically just proved it, Maya shrugged, smiling gratefully as Remus handed her her cup of tea. I didn't even take the ridiculous class, faked my way through the exam, and still ended up with an outstanding. How would you do, Lily? Remus asked. He raised his brow, looking concerned when Lily refused to make eye contact with him. Everything all right? Calm down, 
Maya mumbled, as she elbowed her friend having realized that Lily was reliving the conversation they'd had on the train, where Maya had confessed details about her sexual exploits with Sirius and Remus. I'm fine, Lily lied quickly, forcing herself to look Remus in the face, but immediately she let out a nervous laugh (laughs) and averted her gaze once more. Remus turned his attention to Maya, who shrugged and shook her head, mouthing, girl stuff, before reaching for the bowl of porridge he had served her. Real quick, I fucking said Mia last chapter. At some oh, you point did? I didn't the, catch it. I, I didn't either, and I'm really mad about it, and I'm pretty sure it's just because I watched both Princess Diaries movies like that week. So, super sorry, guys. I know you heard it. I know you all booed, but I did hear it, and I am sorry. <clears throat> I, um, got nine outstandings, Lily said, looking a bit like the wind had uh, been taken out of her scales. My parents were really excited. It would have been a record if someone, she muttered, eyeing Mia, hadn't decided to be a show-off. Maya laughed in reply. You did it again. What? You just talked about it. You said eyeing Mia. God. And you corrected yourself and said damn Maya it. laughed. <laughs> God damn it. Eyeing yeah. Maya. Actually, that would have been tied for a record, Remus said. Sirius got nine outstandings, too. Lily paled, her mouth falling open as she stammered, searching for words. Then, when the color returned to her face, she screeched, what? How is that even possible? He never revises. Does Sirius Black even know where the library is? Sure I do, Sirius said in a sultry voice from behind Lily as he moved over, taking a seat directly on Maya's other side. It's that place where you can shag up against bookshelves, right? <laughs> Maya stared accusingly at him, while Lily turned beet red at the words making a small squeaking noise. All right there, Evans? Sirius asked with a raised brow and a self-satisfied smirk on his face. Leave her alone. She's annoyed that you both received the same number of OWLs. Maya tried to excuse Lily's red face as fury instead of embarrassment. Speaking of which, what N-E-W-T classes are you all taking? All available to me. Lily admitted, before giving her undivided attention to her breakfast, likely refusing to look at anyone until her flushed cheeks turned back to normal color. I got all outstandings and everything, Remus said. He growled a little under his breath, bitterly amending, except potions, so I won't be taking that as a newt course. Gonna drop herbology and astrology, too, and put most of my efforts on defense and ancient runes. I'm surprised you don't excel at potions, Lily spoke up again, though she still would not make eye contact with either of the boys. She whispered, doesn't your sense of smell help when brewing? Opposite, Remus sighed a bit, looking down at his breakfast defeatedly. If I were constantly on my own, it might be easier, but in a classroom with 10 to 20 cauldrons going at the same time, often with different potions and draughts being brewed, It's overwhelming and hard to focus. Okay, British people who see the word D-R-A-U-G-H-T 
fairly frequently. I'm assuming we don't use it here all that often. Is it drought or draft or draft? I don't know. Also, the B-O-W street runners, is it Bow Street or Bow Street? And finally, when somebody is having a fight and they are having an R-O-W, is it a row or a row? These have been plaguing my brain as I've been reading historical romance that's absolutely terrible, but I love. So, if you can answer the following, is it draft, bow, and row, or drought, bow, and row? And I realize that some of those could be mixed up, but please let me know. I'm very interested. Also, I really want a full English right now. Minus the blood puddings. I can't do them. White, black, mm mm-mm, gross. And the baked beans. The baked beans are also gross, but roasted tomato, eggs, thick bacon. Mm. How do you not like baked beans? Not with breakfast. I like it with, like, barbecue. But I also like scones and clotted cream. Those sound really good right now. Remember the clotted cream ice cream? Yes. <sighs> that was amazing. <laughs> With the shortbread crumbles on top. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. If the world goes back to semi-normal next year, we can go to Leaky Con and get some. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. Just germs, people. Make it go away. It's okay. I'll wear a mask. Expecto Patronum germs. Expecto. We need protectum. germ eaters. There you go. Yeah. We need death eaters. Yeah. We need germ, germ eaters. eaters. Expecto Protectum. Yeah. Or we need that light in Grey's Anatomy. Just follow us around and sanitize <laughs> everything around us. Ah, uh, yes. Anyway. Um. Sirius rolled his eyes. Sirius rolled his eyes. You were never meant to be a potions master anyway, Mooney. If you were, then you and Maya would have turned the AD into a brewing club instead of defense. He grinned when Remus smiled up at him and thanks. I, on the other hand, will be joining you lovely ladies in advanced potions. Lily gaped at him. You're taking advanced potions? Need it if I'm going to be an Auror. You were an... caught completely off guard by Sirius's declaration. Maya blurted out her first slip-up in years. She cleared her throat. I mean, you want to be an Auror? You never said anything about that before. You catch her slip? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you were an Auror? No, bitch. I'm in my sixth year. Of course I haven't been a fucking Oreo. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, you almost wish he'd said it just so he could be like, you high? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Decided recently, Sirius replied with a careless attitude that Maya recognized as one of the many walls he used to hide his vulnerabilities. Also... Besides it being a requirement for our training, I'm determined to figure out how to brew Veritas serum before I graduate. Ooh, hiccup, burp. Ooh, hiccup, burp. I'm really glad you guys didn't hear that. I caught it. <gasps> I'm a professional podcaster now, guys. I caught my hiccup, burp. You're welcome. 
She narrowed her eyes a little as she remembered Remus's birthday the year before. You and Veritaserum have a bad history. I've had a bad history with Death Eaters, but I'm still taking defense. Maya and Remus both winced at the casual reference to his attack only months earlier. Oh, come on. Sirius rolled his eyes again, this time with an added bit of melodrama that came in the form of his arms slumping down at his sides as though he had a lead weight in each hand. I want things to go back to normal. A normal year, a normal morning where Evans tells me I'm an annoying child, Mooney and Maya exchange breakfasts like the nutters they are, and I pull a morning prank on prongs. What did you do? Lily, Remus, and Maya all asked accusingly at the same time. Sirius barked a laugh in response and straightened his posture in amusement. Wow, I haven't gotten all three of you in sync like that since third year when I replaced all the Slytherin Quidditch brooms with muggle ones. He grinned excitedly. You are... you're going to get detention, Sirius, he mimicked his friends in a mocking tone. I'll have you know, I did very little. Honestly, it's the easiest hex I've ever used. Just then, a bleary-eyed James walked into the Great Hall, adjusting his glasses as he made his way over to the Gryffindor table to join his friends. Yawning, he reached for a scone and took a large bite of it before turning to look at the shocked, silent faces of his entire house and half the Great Hall. What happened? He mumbled around a mouthful. Remus and Maya gaped at Lily, who looked like she was struggling not to laugh, but Sirius was beside himself with glee. To avoid James entirely, especially considering she was trying not to condone Sirius's behavior, Lily stood and left the table. What's wrong with you? Maya hissed, smacking Sirius's arm. How did you get him to partially shift? James blinked, raising one eyebrow in confusion as he swallowed his bite. Shift? It's not a shift, I'll admit. That's what gave me the idea. Just a hex. I personally think his hair looks much better like this, Sirius said with a beaming grin. At the mention of his hair, James dropped his scone and tried to investigate by touch, only to find two large antlers sticking out of the top of his head. Padfoot! He launched forward, knocking Sirius from his seat and onto the floor. The two boys began wrestling, Sirius laughing as James threw random punches. Maya sighed, watching with disapproval as they grappled on the floor. Jamie, how did you not even notice those? Because his head's so big he's used to the extra weight, Remus offered in amusement. Mr. Black! Everyone turned to see an annoyed-looking Professor McGonagall standing over the boys, who finally stopped rolling around on the floor, with James pinned beneath Sirius. Her voice was sharp when she went on. You should have a <laughs> Sorry, McGonagall. You should have transfigured Mr. Potter into a mop, since the two of you seem so intent on using him to clean the floors. Sirius winked at her. Well, if I wanted to do that, I wouldn't have to transfigure anything. You've seen his hair. Her only reaction was to narrow her eyes further. Considering your OWL scores in transfiguration, Mr. Black, I would have expected more from you than a simple... Ooh. Antiochalatia hex. She sighed with disappointment and waved her hand at James's head, silently casting the counterspell and shrinking away the large antlers. Tucking her wand away, she pulled her timetables from her robes and began handing them out. I hope you'll put more effort into my class this year than you've shown this morning. 
Minnie, Sirius called out after the professor. She walked away from the table. I think you're flirting with me. You know how I love it when a pretty witch gets mad and scolds me. He tucked his timetable into his pockets while ignoring the fact that James was still struggling to get out from under him. Love that old bird. If she was 40 years younger. <clears throat> Padfoot, if you get hard for McGonagall, or anyone, while sitting on top of me, I will show you just how sharp my real antlers are next month. James snarled. Sirius chuckled, looking down at his friend. Now who's flirting? With James recovered enough from, er, recovered from the mild hex, and Sirius covered in a few bruises of retaliation, the group made their way to the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom. There, they speculated on their new professor, who had not been announced the night before. All of the Gryffindors were hoping that Professor Pruitt would make a return, but the rumored curse in the position prevented any one professor from teaching for more than a single year. They had barely taken their seats when a tall man with a slight limp made his way down the center of the classroom, his head of shaggy, tawny hair flowing behind him. Maya groaned at the sight and laid her forehead on the desk in front of her, silently cursing fate as she wondered just how small the wizarding world really was. Sirius and James were audibly intrigued by the new professor after spotting the glint of an R badge the man had pompously attached to his professor robes. Remus patted Maya's shoulder and whispered, Are you all right? To which she quietly groaned again, shaking her head as the new professor wrote his name on the blackboard with a flick of his wand. Professor Scrimgeour. Do you remember who Scrimgeour is? No. So, um, think back to the seventh movie. Um, at the end of book movie six, I think Fudge steps down. I can't remember if he steps down or if he's pulled down, but his replacement for Minister for Magic is Rufus Scrimgeour, and that is the guy who plays Davy Jones and also the rock star in Love Actually. Oh, okay. He's the one who says Mr. Potter that way. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see if I can do his voice. I believe his that actor's name is Bill Nye. Oh, yeah. Bill Nye. It's like Nye, N-I-G-H-Y. He was fantastic in Pirate Radio. And love, actually. Yes. Yes. But it was also odd to see him in Harry Potter because we're not used to seeing him calm like that, you know? He's usually, like... A little out there, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck, bugger, wanker, ass-headed hoe. Yeah, and I love how he, like... They pretend that he knows Elton John. Like, send an obnoxiously big card, I'm there. Elton. (laughs) I don't believe it. Five minutes, Mr. Tultons. You're as gay as a maypole. Oh, my God. Uh, that movie's a fucking classic. It is. And it's almost time to watch it, even though you I, can watch it all year round, but... It's still the fact that he always calls his manager his fat manager, Joe. Fattest man in the world. <laughs> just, you kind of want to give the guy the hug. Yeah, but really, like... Really, it has... It has everyone who yeah, matters I mean, from British acting. Yeah, actually, I was watching it the other day, and it's like, I think 
the only American in that movie is Laura, Laura Linney because she yeah she's the only American in that movie um, and oh god what is the name of the guy she has the crush on Carl Carl um he well I meant famous oh, yeah, yeah. actor well, not he like he's kind of famous he was actually in three, the movie 300 he's oh, really? also kind of how I picture like if Sirius was more of like Mediterranean looking but anyway Oh, wait, isn't the guy with the signs American, too? Yes, but... He was in The no, Walking no, Dead. he is British. He is British, oh, he is? but he played an American in The Walking Dead. Okay, okay. And then, Got it. obviously, this So, Kira Laura Linney's the only American in that movie. I believe so. Yeah. But, like... Okay, that's what uh, I thought. Ugh. Emma Thompson and Hugh Grant, disgusting playboy that he is. Liam Neeson, Alan Rickman... God, oh my god, and fucking the little boy, Sam, whose name is Harry something something, who was in Game of Thrones and fucking wrecked it, and the Maze Runner. Ugh. Oh, and and played the voice of Ferb in Phineas and Ferb, which is obviously his most important contribution to modern cinematography, but... <laughs> yes. Ugh. Okay, there's our digression for the episode. Love Actually. Um... I've been informed that while your class has been properly taught in the theory of defense against the dark arts, you've had poor education in the ways of practical application. The notes left behind by Professor Higgs say that at least half of you are lazy when it comes to dueling. But I know which half, Sirius mumbled under his breath. Scrimgeour narrowed his yellowish, yellowish eyes at the whole class. Since the man was arrested in connection with the dark arts, I won't be taking his opinions into account. You all begin this year with blank slates. That means that until you prove otherwise, you're nothing but children who are incapable of protecting themselves in any situation, thus putting the lives of others at risk. As this is your sixth year, we will begin instructing you on how to use non-verbal spells. It is a poor wizard who needs to speak a charm in order for it to work properly. Pair up. This is a very boring voice, but I'm just doing like really hyper... Shut up, I know. I'll... Okay, fine, I'll amp it up a little bit. In the earlier years of defense, the Paris had been friendly. As Slytherins and Gryffindors grew older, though, the animosity intensified, and soon the classroom was split down the middle with red and gold on one side and silver and green on the other. While Professor Higgs had always paired James and Sirius together, Professor Scrimgeour did not know better. James stood across the room from Severus Snape, a grin on his face, while Sirius was all too eager to take a crack at Amicus Caro. Maya stood to the right of Sirius, glaring across the way at Alora Zabini, and beside her, Remus was staring at Electo Caro. Now, Gryffindors will attempt to jinx their partners, while the Slytherins will attempt to protect themselves. Not a word is to be spoken, Scrimgeour said fiercely. On the count of three, one, two, three. All at once. Was that better? Yes. Okay. All at once, Amicus Alora Electo flew backward into the wall behind them, stunned to the ground. Sirius, Maya, and Remus shared a proud grin over their nonverbal spells. James 
stared intensely Ooh, I lost it. Um, across the room as he and Snape faced off in a non-verbal duel. Sirius had erected a shield in time, of course, but instead of a simple stunning spell, James was trying to silently penetrate the Slytherin shield, forcing it back on him. Everyone stopped to watch closely as hazel eyes met black and the two boys glared at one another viciously. Stop! Professor Scrimgeour yelled minutes later when both Snape and James released, nearly collapsing to the ground after forcing their magics to press so hard against one another. While showing impressive strength, Mr. Potter should have used additional attacks, layering spells instead of forcing one that was not working. Mr. Snape, you should learn to hold a shield and fire hexes simultaneously could mean your very life when faced off against a dark wizard. Sirius clenched his fist and scathingly muttered, except he already is a dark wizard. He's intense, James declared, grinning as they left the classroom an hour later. I still can't believe that Rumus, Rumus, Rufus Scrimgeour is teaching defense this year. He trained under Alaster Moody, you know. He said the name with a reverence that made Maya laugh until he turned around and narrowed his eyes at her. I think it's ridiculous. You know why he's here, don't you? She asked the four boys, who all looked confused. Do any of you read the prophet for anything other than Quidditch scores? Of course, James retorted with indignation. I was just telling you how awesome our scrimgeour is. He's been all over the Prophet this summer. The Department of Magical Law Enforcement has been catching Death Eaters. No, Maya argued. They've been chasing Death Eaters. So far, no one they've caught has actually had the mark of all... The mark of you-know-who. They've been arresting imperialist bystanders. We're at war, and our new professor isn't just here to teach us. He's here to recruit. Then sign me up, Sirius said proudly. You know what else you can sign me up for, Cat? Candles and wax melts. Candles and wax melts. I also love that we both like put both hands in the air as if you guys can see us. But this is your friendly reminder that we are still running the November promotion and we are coming up on crunch time if you want to get your orders in and arrived by Christmas. Do remember that the entire holiday line is up. We've got gingerbread, we've got sugar cookies, we've got hearth and spruce. That's no, holiday hearth, pine and spruce, spruce and bonfire, something with spruce. Uh, We have one that's a dupe for a bath and body work smell, and I think it's just called winter something, and I can't remember the name. Rin, I'm terrible at this shit, but oh my god, is it delicious. Yeah, it's actually, hold on, I got it right here. Oh, you beautiful bitch. Yes. Okay. So, it's gin mint mule, vanilla cashmere plum, and apple streusel, which is in their secret menu of wax melts. Oh, yum. Yes. And also, to get your stuff ordered, to get here in time for Christmas, you have to have your order placed by November 21st to 23rd. And remember... The post office is trying their hardest, and it's not Rin's fault. People are trying. 
Do you remember that this is the busiest time of the year for the U.S. Post Office, even election period aside, especially considering how many people are being forced to do Christmas apart this year. If you're doing Christmas apart, number one, we salute you. Number two, understand that a lot of packages are going to take a lot of time to arrive because that's right, everybody's shipping everything. But if you want to get 20% off your order, our special code is... Oh. Is. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I got out of it. How fire whiskey How felt. How fire whiskey felt. There is no E in whiskey and it's all lowercase. Thank you, Catherine. We couldn't have done it without you. I'm kidding. I can't do this without you. And also, this promo runs until December 1st. Yes, it does. And also, this has nothing to do with candles or wax melts, but I feel like all of you would appreciate this. If you pay for whatever the Zoom subscription is on Thanksgiving, they are giving you one day free to Zoom with all of your family Aww, if you have to. That's cute. So go Zoom. Well done, Zoom. But also remember that one of the biggest things you can do on the week of Thanksgiving, and I know this really doesn't apply for all of our, you know, international listeners, but I don't know if you guys know this, but Thursday. Thanksgiving, aka Day of the Turkey and the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and the day that it is okay to start breaking out Christmas decorations. Friday, Black Friday, otherwise known as Stay Your Ass at Home, otherwise you're getting a black eye at Walmart. Uh, the TV ain't fucking worth it. And also remember that Saturday is Small Business Saturday. Now, if you wait until Saturday to shop or in shop, you're not going to get your shit in time for Christmas, but... If you don't care about getting it in time for Christmas, please support on Small Business Saturday. If you want it for Christmas, support Small Business Saturday every day of the week leading up to the 21st through the 23rd. <sighs> that was a mouthful. It was. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> but for real, we love Rin. We love Elizabeth. We love Star Cross Sundries. Please go check out StarCrossSundries.com. Go check out their wax melts. If you want access to those special uh, scents that Kat listed off originally, you can find them if you join the StarCross Sundries group on Facebook. That is where you will get the special code to get into the special not-so-secret wax melt menu. I can't stop melting Doria. I've had Doria in my melter for, like, weeks. I love her. I hate blueberry. I hate blueberry with a passion, but there are two things that have blueberry that I surprisingly like. And ironically, I think Daria has some mint in her as well. Because the two minty blueberry-y things I like are number one, Daria, and number two, whatever the fuck that weird-ass drink is at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter that you can only get at the Hopping Pot, it's green mint lime soda with popping blueberry boba. And it sounds revolting and the first taste is a little goddamn weird and you're not sure if you like it but by the end of it you want like six more yeah i remember when we had that i was like what did i just put in my mouth <laughs> i'm like i don't know if i like this but by the end of it i was like i want another and another yeah and another god oh we're missing out on hot butter beer it's that time of year i'm yeah, so sad i know well, I'm going in February so I can drink it for you and Snapchat you and be like, hey. I'm coming. I'll join. No, you're not. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this a date trip? I'm graduating and then I'm going to Disney World and Harry Potter World. So they were talking about how great Scrim GR was and they were chasing Death Eaters. And Sirius said, sign me up. And that's where we left off. 
Maya growled, rolling her eyes at his brashness. You don't know what you're saying. Besides, he's not here recruiting you. He's here for Dumbledore. When none of them spoke, looking at her in silent confusion, she sighed. Isn't it obvious? The Ministry can't get ahead of the Death Eater attacks. It's not just Muggleborns anymore. A whole family of goblins was slaughtered last week, and there are rumors that you know who is seeking out giants. Who better to have at the beck and call of the Ministry in a war than Albus Dumbledore? Well, then he should join, Sirius insisted. Put a quick end to it. <laughs> there will not be a quick end to this war, Maya lamented, turning her gaze down and huffing. <sighs> Besides, Dumbledore won't join them. He does things his own way, and in his own time, which I suppose is fine. Why wouldn't Dumbledore join the Ministry? Don't they have the same goal? Peter asked. Maya forced herself not to snap at him, as it was only the first day of classes, and the other boys started to get a bit defensive of Peter when it came to her attitude toward him. Normally, she could blame the stress for re of revising for exams. The ministry can't be trusted. No one can be trusted. She looked at Remus, Sirius, and James. As a matter of fact, right now, there are currently only four people in the world that I trust with my life, and that's you three and Lily. Peter frowned. Not me. Maya took in a deep breath and watched as Sirius patted Peter on the shoulder, looking at him as though he were embarrassed for his friend. While she was not exactly openly hostile to Peter, unlike the way that Mary was, everyone knew that Maya did not get on well with him. It's nothing personal, Peter, she lied. Jamie's my brother, Remus is my best friend, and Sirius is family now. There, she looked at the other three marauders, trying to find the word to explain it. When she glanced over at Remus, she found it. Their pack. It's because I didn't go into the Forbidden Forest, isn't it? Peter turned his eyes down bitterly. Evans wasn't there. She's not a part of your whole weird pack thing. Not yet, Maya muttered, scoffing when James glanced up at her with bright eyes. Calm town. Don't you have class? Nope. I got a free period. Just need to get the Quidditch tryouts scheduled. Want to come help? James asked with a crooked grin, knowing that while she did not enjoy flying or listening to Quidditch, she had a knack for organizing, and James was not too proud to abuse his family connection to the Bright Witch. I have a question. I have an answer. Because I don't know if I've ever asked this before, and I don't know if you've explained this, but it just popped into my head. So, they said that Lily isn't part of their pack yet. So that means eventually she's going to have an animagus form, I'm guessing. So, how is your animagus form the same thing as your Patronus, or is that different? Like, how do you know what animal you're going to turn into? And it also seems like that most of the animals that they turn into for lack of a better way of saying it, are, like, fighting animals, you know what I mean, that have, like, ways to, like, fight evil. So it's not like Lily could be, like, let's say, a bunny, because that's cute and doesn't really, like, fight and isn't scary. So, like, is there a rule about what kind of animal you can be? So, one at a time, um, generally your Patronus and Animagus, at least for the sake of dead of time, are identical. Um, that being said, we do see a broad range of Patroni in um, uh, Order of the Phoenix. 
So Luna, for example, is a hare because she's mad as a March hare. Um, McGonagall is a cat. Uh, Ron Weasley is a Jack Russell Terrier. Hermione originally is an otter. So like they're not always fighting animals. Now Kingsley Shacklebolt is a lynx, clearly fighting animal. But um, I don't believe Lily ever becomes an animagus. I think she just has the Patronus form and that is the doe, which is the complement to James's stag. In terms of her becoming pack, it's not um, so we've talked about pack bonds and how they're connected. And so for them, the pack bond was they all submitted to the alpha and the alpha accepted them. In order to seal the pack bond, somebody has to with Remus and then, you know, hump, hump, and then big bite. So when that happens, the pack bond is sealed. Now, pack bond can spread to others who are not a part of that original group because think of a pack of wolves so you have say four wolves three males and a female when one of those male wolves finds a mate that mate gets pulled into the pack right yeah any offspring of those mates also becomes pack So when Lily gets with James and they get married and they, boom, she's pack. When Harry's born, boom, he's pack. When Remus finds Tonks, boom, she's pack. When they have Teddy, boom, he's pack. So as they expand their families, they also expand the pack. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, um... James was asking Maya to help her or help him organize the Quidditch tryout schedule. And she goes, hold on, my mouth is dry. No, I have to, she thought for a moment. I have to talk to Dumbledore about something. When three of the four boys reacted with looks of concern, Maya sighed. I'm just going to go to talk to him about my divination exam. Honestly, I faked my way to an outstanding. The class shouldn't be an option at Hogwarts, and he needs to know it, even if he takes away that extra OWL. Go. Deal with your team. She smiled at James and then leaned forward, granting each boy, save for Peter, a quick kiss on the cheek before walking towards Dumbledore's office. Chocolate frogs. Maya said to the gargoyle, guarding Dumbledore's office. When the stone didn't budge, she exhaled irritably and began rattling off the various candies. Acid pops, candy floss, ice mice, ah! She smiled as the gargoyle moved, granting her access. Also, that thing you said earlier about the fizzing candy from Australia, I definitely thought the first thing that hopped into my head was uh, fizzing Whisbees. <laughs> Miss Potter, what a pleasant surprise. Is your sixth year at Hogwarts living up to the original? Dumbledore asked. Blue eyes twinkling from behind his desk, he chuckled softly, an action that, for some reason, unnerved her. He proffered a... proffered. I don't like the way that sounds in my mouth, so I'm just going to say offered. Sorry, Shia. Proffered? 
proffered. Like I know the word, I just don't, I've never, I've read it. I've never said it out loud. So I feel like I'm saying it wrong. He proffered a small bowl filled to the brim with little sweets. Maya shook her head politely. Rufus Scrimgeour. He's here because of the war, isn't he? Because of the Death Eater raids in Voldemort. While I have from time to time sought your opinion on certain matters, mostly relating to your small circle of friends, I believe we have discussed in the past, Miss Potter, that the subject of Voldemort is off the table when it comes to you and me. Dumbledore said in a firm tone, though the smile never left his face. But I know how to kill him, Maya cried in frustration. I know what he's doing and who he's after. I know that there are students in this very school who are being recruited and... We won the war in your timeline, Dumbledore asked, interrupting her. Yes, it had been a conversation that had happened repeatedly throughout the years, though the longer she had been in 1970s, the more emotional she had become about her need to try and fix the future. Yes, we won. He's destroyed completely where I'm from. Then I will not risk losing that final future battle. You won't even make it to the final battle, Maya thought. She ground her teeth together hard, trying to force a little physical pain in order to prevent herself from crying. We could save so many lives. I've seen the Daily Prophet. They're killing so many, and my knowledge could stop that from happening. Dumbledore sighed, sadly. Or it could make it worse. Voldemort could discover your knowledge and use it against you. Or, as we've spoken about before, nothing would change except you personally would be harmed and innocence would die regardless. I must insist that you keep to my rules and not tell anyone anything about the future. I've already risked too much in the past by asking questions. You've told me that in the future we have a certain victory, and I am not willing to risk that certainty for anything, Miss Potter even if it means my own life. It will. In the end, it is all for the greater... Don't finish that sentence, sir. Maya raised a finger to stop him from continuing. Hermione Granger would have been horrified to know that in some world she would have the nerve to hush Albus Dumbledore, especially while still a student at Hogwarts, but Maya Potter could not find it in her to care. Do you still have my time-turner? No, I do not, Dumbledore said softly. As promised, it's being looked over by an expert in time magic. I've been assured that I'll be notified should anything new be discovered in regards to the device. Thank you, sir. Maya headed back down the spiral staircase, cursing under her breath with each and every step. She knew she couldn't do anything. She had seen firsthand what had happened when she tried to make changes. She ended up being the cause of those events. But it still felt wrong to sit idly by and watch as the world descended into chaos around her. Every action we take is a causation of destiny. Time travel won't change anything. Live your life. Enjoy your life. The words from her letter... Her guide repeated in her head like a quiet future mon- or like a quiet mantra, and she could feel the bitterness bubble under her skin. Shut up, future Remus. What happened to her time turner? 
Uh, Dumbledore took it to try and investigate it to figure out how she got put back in the past and to figure out how she can go back to the future. So he's had um, experts in time manage or time management, <sighs> time magic, look it over to try and figure out how to fix it or how to send her back. Oh, okay. Sirius stormed through the door of the dorm he shared with his three best friends, an angry expression on his face as he flipped, uh, flipped open his trunk and began digging through his things, muttering, Fucking filch! over and over again. Um, problem pads? Sirius looked up to see James sitting on his bed looking over the Quidditch tryout sign-up sheet. He edited a few words with a quill in hand, adding, Only p- only bitches don't play Quidditch before cringing, eyes wide, and erasing it from the parchment. <laughs> Can we make that a merch? Just... I feel like Quidditch is probably one of those copyrighted terms. I but... will look it up. Only I bitches will look it up. I Even am going to look that up. Even if it was just a sticker up. and a button. Even if it's just a sticker and a button, that may be worth it. Oh, Claire. Well, you look that up. I will continue. Filch accused me of setting off dung bombs in the third floor. I actually didn't do it this time, but he made me turn out my pockets and took my pack of cigarettes. Now I'm so pissed off, I need one. Sirius muttered as he returned to his trunk and reached into the small pouch where he kept his extra packs. Flipping the pouch open, he growled when he noticed that it was unexpectedly half-empty. Prongs, did you steal my cigarettes? No, James said quietly, a facade of innocence transforming his features. What makes you think that? Sirius glared suspiciously at his friend and took a careful step forward, sniffing the air. (laughs) I can smell it on you. James's mask of innocence was replaced by one of guilt and growing fear. They'd had a few... Aha! What? I knew this word was going to come up. Is it rose or rouse? More than a few fights over the years, when it was about something genuinely important. James Potter was a force to be reckoned with, but Merlin helped the wizard who stole Sirius Black cigarettes. When Sirius advanced, James leapt from the bed and pointed across the room. Mooney took one first! Remus looked at James, mouth agape. You suck, prongs. I just wanted to try it, he explained to Sirius. James has been stealing her fags since the middle of last year. Don't let him pass the blame on me because he's too cheap to buy his own vices. I'm cheap, James's brows rose into his hairline. This coming from the guy who hoards sweets like a niffler? I wouldn't hoard them if you'd all stop nicking them from me, Remus growled, his gaze turning to Sirius in mild accusation. Sirius rolled his eyes and folded his arms across his chest. I took one bar, one time. You took two bars last night, Peter chimed in. You also took his extra pumpkin pasties yesterday on the train. You gave me half a one to keep me from telling Remus. And now you owe me those pumpkin pasties back, you little rat, Sirius snarled. No, you owe me pumpkin pasties back and apparently two chocolate bars, Remus snapped. No, you owe me cigarettes. Sirius growled at Remus, stalking forward. I'm not the one stealing your fags. Prongs is. Hey, 
James yelled at Remus. And the other three boys... Wait, what? Remus stole a cigarette from Sirius. James proceeded to steal half a pack from Sirius. Uh, Sirius stole two chocolate bars and a couple of pumpkin pasties from Remus and then gave a couple of pumpkin pasties to Peter to keep his mouth shut, but then Peter told everybody. And also in Great Britain, they call cigarettes fags. Okay, that's what I was wondering what that was. I was like, say what now? Yes, he stole gay men from him. Okay. Using a pejorative. Okay, because I was confused because I didn't know that word meant something else over there. And I was like, what? Yep, it can mean both a cigarette or a bundle of sticks. Okay, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. The more you know. Yeah. Speaking of the more you know, this is what I got. I got two different answers. Okay. The first one confuses me a little bit. So, game rules, even fantasy ones, are not copyrightable because rules are functional and functional things cannot be copyrighted. But the little... But the literary and cinematic spaces Quidditch occupies are copyrighted. However, when I googled is the word Quidditch copyrighted, it says Quidditch is a trademark term owned by Warner Brothers with J.K. Rowling keeping approval rights. Words within the sport are not trademark specifically but generally when a trademark owner is a really big company and the trademark is really valuable it is not a good idea to mass produce crap with it so so quidditch itself is copyrighted but not bludger quaffle snitch right because functional things cannot be trademark or copyrighted and the ball names were too small to bother with they figured if they Trademark right. footage, it covered everything. So I guess we can't make bitches don't play Quidditch. <sighs> Damn. I hate them so much. Like, I can say, mm. Merry Christmas, you filthy muggle, but I can't say muggle, please. Like, are you kidding me? I'm so mad at them. Copyrights. It's okay. I think trademarks eventually die. So, like, we can sell it in, like... You figure copyrights usually die after, what, 100 years? And the first Harry Potter book came out in 99. So in 2099, we can't... We won't be alive in 2099. We'll only be 108. It'll be fine. Oh, yeah. I could just imagine us doing this at 108. Hey? Hey? Claire, are you there? Hey, Catherine. We can finally make it. The muggle, please shut. Claire, did that rash clear up yet? I got my hip surgery on Tuesday. I gotta recover. (laughs) I ate some really good proofs today. Yeah, right. (laughs) My grandkids won't shut up. Little Tommy brought me a bottle of something called Fireball. You remember Fireball? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Back. Anyway, the dead of time. Oh, God, I'm having flashbacks to sipping Fireball with my mom on Friday nights. 
I like it. It tastes like cinnamon. It's also antifreeze, but that's oh a different god. podcast. Oh my god, this is the longest episode. This is also a really long chapter. Anyway. Um, I'm not the one stealing your fags, Prongs is. Hey! James yelled at Remus, and the other three boys turned, waiting for him to defend himself. After nearly half a minute of tense silence, James clearly had nothing, so he did the next best thing. Offered a distraction. Yeah, well... Oh, man. Uh-oh. That doesn't say that. Oh, no, 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 no. So this is the beginning of the Maidenhead chapter, and I forgot it happened in this chapter, not next chapter. So I'm really excited that I get to read this to you, but I was really hoping to get to see this in person, but whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah, well, Remus is the one who dumped that nasty cologne in your trunk. Sirius's eyes widened, and he turned enraged as he recalled how badly his robe smelled for weeks following the event. The cologne had been a gift from his father, and he hated it, which is exactly why he had been so angry that the bottle had been broken and soaked thoroughly, er, soaked through everything he owned. Not even the best cleaning charms had been able to get the overpowering stench out. I'm now imagining him walking through fucking uh, Hogwarts smelling like Axe body spray, but anyway. Um, ugh. <sighs> smells like high school. That was an accident. Or, sorry. That was an accident, Remus defended, standing up and putting both hands in front of himself as if pleading with Sirius for mercy. He looked a bit ridiculous. Sirius knew that Remus could best him in a fight if he had to. Hell, he still stood inches above the rest of them. But Remus likely wished to avoid the carnage that usually followed these arguments when they inevitably occurred about once a year. Asking four growing boys to room together for seven years without at least one or two fights was like asking a group of teenagers to all live in a private tower and not eventually have sex with one another. Sirius and Remus were clearly proof that both scenarios were just unavoidable. I was looking for the map, Remus asserted when everyone focused on him instead of one another. You, if you, if, if you just kept it where it was supposed to be, I would keep it in Prongs' trunk, but it looks like rats live in it, Sirius explained, still miffed about the spilt cologne. Hey! Peter shouted. The other three boys turned on him and yelled, and yelled, Shut up, Wormtail! Well, don't bring me into this, Peter pouted, gesturing to them with a flick of his hand. I didn't bloody do anything. You didn't do anything, Remus scoffed incredulously, crossing his arms. I saw you sneaking drinks out of Padfoot's private fire whiskey stash all last year. You did what? Sirius's temper reached its peak. It was one thing to steal his cigarettes, but to drink his fire whiskey, his precious, beautiful fire whiskey that took every effort to acquire, considering trunks were often checked randomly by Filch. He was not of age yet to even purchase it. He had always been able to steal it from his parents' vast collection, but since moving in with the Potters, his stash had been running out quickly. Sirius glanced at Peter, and both Remus and James looked mildly smug that they had officially put an end to the argument, especially since it had been started because they had been outed stealing his cigarettes. You rotten little, Sirius growled as he stalked towards Peter. Uh, uh, Sirius and Remus had sex with Maya, Peter, Peter blurted. Covering his face as he defense, as defensively as Sirius came closer, the room fell immediately silent. The only sound was Peter's labored breathing. Sirius glared down at the boy, 
his expression making a promise of absolute pain to be delivered once he had somehow fixed this amazing cock-up. His heart was in his throat as he slowly turned around, watching as Remus did the same to look at James, who was no longer sitting on his bed. The Quidditch sign-up parchment was clenched tightly in his fist, and his face was quickly turning red as he stared at them. What? Sirius took a leap. Peter took your wand to scratch his arse with it once. Remus Remus sighed and cursed under his breath. Nice try, Pads, but this argument reached its peak about ten seconds ago. Look, prongs, he said, using his calm and collected tone of voice, glancing briefly at Sirius, who was desperately hoping he didn't have to do, or he did not do anything to make matters worse. Let's be adults about this. Yeah? Or we could have denied it, Sirius said with a groan. Before either of them had a chance to properly explain the unbelievably complicated and interlaced relationships they each had with his twin sister, James shifted on the spot. A very real and angry prong stood in his place, huffing hot air through his nostrils, black eyes narrowed and head bowed forward. Sirius's eyes widened in genuine fear. Fuck. From the corner of his eye, he saw Peter shift into his rat form and scurry through the small hole in the stone wall. James, Remus said, taking a slow step back. Prongs pawed at the floor with his hooves in an aggressive threat. Well, shit. Sirius quickly shifted into Padfoot, knowing that at least he would have a size as an advantage in an oncoming and inevitable onslaught. Not fair! Not fair! Remus yelled. I can't shift at will! They both stared into the face of an angry stag, just as it charged forward. Wow. <laughs> so, like... This is, this is probably one of everybody's favorite parts of this fucking story. <laughs> because, like, imagine you have a sister. You're a guy. And you're 16. And you have a sister. And, like, she's your twin sister. And even if she's not actually your twin, you take care for her as if she is your twin. And you love her. And you care for her. And... You are capable of turning into an extraordinarily large stag. And then you find out that not one, but two of your best friends have both fucked your sister. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. (laughs) And it's all because Peter Pettigrew is a rat. And I mean that in the other... God, he's such a piece of shit. Yes. Yes, he is. Also, it took multiple tries for me to get that out and say it straight, and I still couldn't say it straight. I did say me the first time, so I'm glad Hannah Beth cut that. For the love of God, Hannah Beth, I hope you cut that. But yes, I'd... <laughs> I, want, I wanted that line to have the gravitas it needed. Because, oh, and my hiccups held off until it was over. Oh, bless you. But anyway... I guess bless me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah. So next week is very exciting. Cat, why is it exciting? 
because we are going to be recording the Maidenhead chapter together in the same room. In person. And I am super freaking duper excited about it because, one, I haven't seen Kat in over a year. A year. Yeah, because I haven't seen you since my wedding. So it'll be almost a year and a half. Um, I haven't been home in like three years. And uh, I am being very, very cautious when I go down there. Lots of masking, lots of sanitizing, all that kind of stuff. Kat and I will not be masked during the actual recording because we need to be able to be heard. But we will be sanitizing and all that good stuff and be masked otherwise. Um, But yes, so it is going to be very exciting. We are going to record together the Maidenhead chapter in person, live, and if you would like to see the video version of that, we will have that available on Patreon, and we will also be making a very special announcement next week, so lots of exciting things coming. I am super excited to do a live show for you guys, so yay! That being said, if you want to see- And you want to know what the special announcement is? The McRib is back at McDonald's. Oh my god, is it? Yeah, is it? I've never had I've it. Never it looks had. disgusting. It sounds gross. I know, and it, like, there's no bone in it, but they make it look like there's a bone. Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's gross, literally the just McRib a mold. Is back. It's, it's a mold. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> I thought you were kidding, and then you're like, no, it's actually bad. Everybody always gets yeah. so excited, but I've never actually met anybody who eats it. Anyway, but yes, very exciting. And speaking of Patreons, we'd like to give a big shout out to our Fox Level supporters. Rachel, Becky, Jackie, Rebecca, Carissa, Sandra, Leanne, Michelle, Cassie, Chelsea, Amber, Ryder, Melanie, Ryland, Crystal, Connie, Heather, Chelsea, Claire, Ashley, Emma, Sarah, Amara, Audrey, Roshan, Jillian, Shannon, Nevi, Martina, Shelby, Sarah, Paige, Dan, Tyler, Amanda, Miranda, Samantha, Caitlin, Danielle, Rin, Kara, Adie, Laura, Olivia, and Jade. And that was again a big thank you to our Fox Level supporters. We couldn't be. Are you scratching your butt? No, my back. No, I don't think you're scratching your butt. Anyway, we love you, Fox. We appreciate you guys. You're awesome. Kat just leaned really close to the camera and was like scratching behind her, so I couldn't tell. She kind of looked like, you know, when you see those baboons do that thing and they're like, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, and like scratch their behind. My lower back was itchy. How low on your lower back? Away from my butt. She scratched the cheeks. No, I did <laughs> not. Anyway, I am a child. I don't have a wand. <laughs> <laughs> Because as we just read, he used your wand to scratch his arse. No, scratch his butt. Well, and it says his arse. Oh, arse, yes. I thought you said arms, and I was like, definitely not his arms. But yeah, no. I, I, I do no. I do love I do love them trying to take that moment back and it's like now, bro. No. Fucking his sister was like the peak. <laughs> Using a wand to scratch somebody's ass. They did, no, that's n- it's not on the same level, bud. <laughs> but anyway, Jesus fucking Christ. This is such a long episode, Hannah Beth. We are so sorry. But fans, we hope you enjoy it. And uh, the, the chapters are getting longer. I feel like we also rambled a lot at the beginning of this episode. So I hope for all of your sakes that Hannah Beth cut a bunch of this out. 
because we do need stuff for the season four blooper reel and just the extras reel and like our random tangents that don't make it into the episode. But anyway, we love you guys lots. Thank you for continuing to listen and we will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday! The blackest Fire Whiskey Friday y'all have ever seen. Get it? Because it's Black Friday. Oh, ha. Funny. Yeah, so it's Black Fire Whiskey Friday. Kind of like when you do like... Even though this episode is airing this week, but... Well, I, okay. I meant next week. Oh, wait, no. Oh. I did say it for this week. Well, no, you said next Fire Whiskey Friday. So, no, I was yeah. right. Fuck you. But yes, um, <laughs> you know, th- there's lots of darker liquors. There's, you know, dark rum and I feel like there's a black whiskey. Anyway, irregardlessly, and I hope all of you grammarians cringed when I said that. I say it with love. We will see you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Oh. Yeah, we should probably